This passage that I'm going to preach from was laid on my heart. And in talking to God, I tried to get away from it. It would have preferred an easier passage. But right through this conference thus far, God has been speaking and confirming many things. Um, one of the sermons that really bless and encourage that I was in basically synchronism with what God intends as um, Pastor John's message that the whole counsel of God needs to be preached. Amen? Amen? And so I want to direct your attention this evening to the 25th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And I want to employ the topic, are you a sheep or a goat? So let me just read the passage. I am reading from the ESV. And then we will, then I will share and we will see what God says to us through this word. It says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory... And all the angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink. And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you curse, into the eternal fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and imprisoned and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you, then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. May God bless his word to our hearts today. There are many opinions 
about the judgment recorded in this passage. And I am not going to venture into the eschatology of it. But for our purpose this evening, we want to stick to the fact that a final judgment is coming. And at this judgment, we would want to be sheep and not be goats for obvious reasons. The basis upon which the sheep enter into life and the basis upon which the goats enter the punishment of the devil is what really should concern us. Reading this in my formative years as a pastor and reading it through Armenian lenses many years ago, I was under the impression that the sheep were invited to enter the kingdom due to their good works. But a close examination of this passage wearing different lenses tonight, amen. Um, lenses pertaining to the doctrines of grace um, indicate completely otherwise. So let us explore this text and see if we can figure out a few things. And then at the end of this message, I will pose the question again. And if you are here, you can reflect and think about it and see whether you are a goat or a sheep. The Bible says to test yourself, test how you are standing to see if you are in the faith. And that has implications for us. So let us begin by looking at verse 34. Because here, because here the king issued the invitation to the sheep. And he says to them, come, you who are blessed by my father. And I want to start with that phrase. Come, you who are blessed by my father. And I want to zero in on the, on the word bless. What does this mean? And what are the implications? Now I want to, I don't have time to go through all the nitty gritty concerning these points. Because this sermon will probably last for quite a while. So I am going to just address these points in a succinct way. And uh, I'm certain the Holy Spirit of God will... Convey to your mind and hearts what he intends tonight to convey. But in Psalm 32, 1, 2, David said, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And Paul, or the Lord used Paul to corroborate this very important teaching, where he said in Romans 4, 6-8, and it reads, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God comes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those who lawless deeds are forgiven, 
and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Now this is very, very significant as we reflect on this word because what we need to consider tonight is that being blessed in this text and being blessed by God um, really is not pointing towards the material so to speak but it is speaking to a spiritual blessing and embedded in that invitation and embedded in that word is the fact that the sheep being spoken of here are justified that the sheep being spoken of here are born again and they have basically entered into the spiritual blessing which the Lord Jesus Christ came and purchased for them now it is, in, it is significant that we consider in order to fully receive and appreciate it, that point it is important for us to consider that everybody is born cursed Adam our forefather was a lawbreaker he lived under a covenant of works and he transgressed by disobeying God's law Paul in addressing this um, particular situation or the fact that we are born cursed said in Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us and I want us to just grab the fact that law here um, goes right back to our foreparent who transgressed the first law. So do not think that transgressing the law just started in Exodus. It goes right back to Adam. He's, the, he is, he's not necessarily the first sinner. You think the devil is the first sinner. But he is the first human being who transgressed the law and so became cursed. We as his offspring, um, we were born in sin, as we heard a little earlier in the in the conference, and we were shaped in iniquity. And hence, all of us were born with that curse um, in our in our lives. Uh, Paul says, "For it is written." Cursed is everyone who hang on a tree. And that is what Jesus um, did for us. So that we could be redeemed from the curse that we would have gotten as descendants of Adam. So when Jesus speaks to the sheep and tells them, Come ye blessed of my father. There is a lot that is employed there. Because you cannot be blessed and be cursed at the same time. It's neither one or the other. But I want to submit to you this evening that in Christ we are blessed. So that is why he says in verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham may come to who? 
Come to the Gentiles. To the Galatians that he um, was speaking to. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So just embedded in that one word there. Come ye blessed of my father. We see God's hand in justification. We see it in regeneration. We see it in changing them. From being cursed goats into blessed sheep. You understand what I'm saying this evening? Just in that one word. Now I want you to recognize that these sheep were not blessed by entering into the kingdom. These sheep entered the kingdom because they were blessed. And tonight, if you are blessed in Christ, you will hear the same words. Because your faith has been decided. Or your faith would have been decided before you even got to the judgment. So the question is, are you blessed in Christ tonight? Are you in the valley of decision? Where are you? Now the second thing you want to note from the text and from that phrase there is that the king says to the sheep inherit the kingdom. Inherit the kingdom. Now there's so much in that little phrase. Because to inherit something means to come into possession of it. To come into possession of something you did not have and more importantly you did not work for you did not work for you don't work for an inheritance I've known people who tried to work for an inheritance and tried to convince those who had property or whatever to give them and then in the final analysis they were written out of the will so you can try working for it. That doesn't mean you're going to get it. But I've come to tell you tonight that this um, inheritance that was given to them was a gift from God. It was a gift from God. Yes, that's it. It was a gift. It was a gift from God. <laughs> <laughs> Alright brother, thank you for helping me preach. <laughs> to be to be gifted um, something by another out of sheer favor or love is to my mind an act of grace. You know, you haven't you haven't you don't marry it, you haven't worked for it. And that's why I'm saying to some of you in here tonight, if you are fighting over property. That has been bequeathed. Hear what is given to you. And be thankful. And be thankful. Remember what Jesus told the man who came to him. Fighting over property. He says what? Take heed and do what? And beware of covetousness. Because a man's life does not consist of the things he possesses. Doesn't so I don't even know who I'm speaking to tonight, but if you are, 
Be thankful because an inheritance is a gift. It's a gift, so be thankful. But the point that I'm making here, I don't want you to lose sight of it. This was a gracious act of grace by the host, by the Lord. And Paul corroborates what Jesus is saying in this passage, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Um, two verses that we know well, two verses that we have heard in this conference before. But it's to the Lord's honor and glory that we should basically look at it and repeat it again. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. So the second thing we notice is that he invites them to come and come into the kingdom that they have inherited from God. Now I think that this is really magnificent because and here again you can't really divert and deal with this in any depth. But this passage actually shows the immensity of salvation. Salvation is more sins forgiven. It is more than being translated from the kingdom of darkness into light. It is more than being raised up to sit in heavenly places with Christ. It also involves a kingdom. And I cannot begin to try to describe to you what are the limits. What are these what, what is the scope? What is the length or the breadth or the depth or the height in Christ? I can't. But it says, eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, neither even enter into the thoughts of men the things that God has prepared for those who have him. So so salvation, this, this verse is saying to me that salvation is immense. Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom. Hmm. But this passage, this, this verse also shows that the sheep were predestined and elected. Because if you look at the verse and what the king is saying... He says the kingdom was prepared for the sheep before the beginning of time. At the foundation of the world. Prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's what the text says. From the foundation of the world. And very interestingly, when all that was done, the sheep were not born as yet. And even more interestingly, some of the sheep are still not born this evening. But remember, the kingdom has been already prepared. And those sheep then, because the time is still coming, you know, judgment coming, will hear these words from the Lord. So we can see in this text, um, both, just, both um, election... And predestination. 
Because he says to them, Come, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you, sorry, from the foundation of the world. Those of you who were in the conference um, would have heard these verses, Ephesians 1, 3 to 6, which basically again confirms our Lord's words in this passage. And I, I cannot help but say to you, because we, we spoke about this a little early in the conference too, that this corroboration by Paul and this corroboration of scripture by scripture and so forth is an indication that yes, the Bible has a lot of writers, but there is one divine mind pulling all of this together. Because all these words locking and fitting, um, I would want to say perfectly. And you see, the thing is, we're talking about biblical churches. But if you are not biblical, you can't have only right lenses. You can't really see what you ought to see. And that is why I agree with much of what was set up here. Because I was in an Armenian church for years and I know he got saved. I remember what happened when he was in that event, in that Nazarene church. Years ago on Sunday night. May God grip me in the pew and pull me to the altar. Um, but then there, there was there was smudge on the lenses that I was wearing. But you see, I, I believe there's so much scripture. It says that the path of the just burneth brighter and brighter. Onto that perfect day. I just believe that people in Christ. Sheep. Will discover truth. And will be led into truth. As Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. And if I'm speaking to Armenians in here tonight. I don't know if there are any. I just believe that God. Um, will lead you to truth. And as I think Brother John said. When you start discovering truth. And understanding truth. And understanding that what you used to believe. Really doesn't square with scripture. If if you are sheep, if you are sheep, I think you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna follow the Lord, you know, because that is what he says. He says, My sheep hear my voice and do what? Follow. Follow him. So Yes, people can, can, can definitely get saved, but I think you have to have all the right lenses to really see some of these things that God is saying in these um, passages. And I, I admit to you that I, I don't think I would have seen some of these things with my old Armenian, Armenian spectacle later of a couple of years and left in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So Paul corroborates the words of Christ, basically confirms what our Lord is saying in this passage. Um, in Ephesians 1, this is a passage that all of us in here um, know well. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are, of, and are the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So we see how this passage corroborates the words of our Lord in this um, text. So there is no doubt in my mind that predestination is true and election is true. Or else our Lord's words in Matthew 25 make no sense. Now, if you have problems, you've got to deal with it. But this is the truth. You see? Now, let us pause for a moment now and examine the behavior of sheep. Because we see a particular type of behavior from the sheep in this text. And if I may just revisit it, it says here, Jesus says, I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and all that, you gave me drink. So we see a sort of loving care dispensed by the sheep in this text. To sheep. Like I want you to understand what's going on here. We're talking here in this text about sheep. Taking care of sheep. Not taking care of the world. I'm not saying that sheep should not love the world. And sheep should not give to the world. Not saying that. But in this text, if you go right back to John 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, this really confirms our Lord's message. A message of love that must flow between his sheep. So we have in this passage, sheep taking care of sheep. Now, I want to say that this whole thing now is reciprocal. I, I believe that it goes back and forth. That sheep who receive are expected then to minister to the need of sheep. So you find that sheep are takers and givers within the body. Takers of care and also givers of care. Amen. And that's the Bible really, really says it ought to be. Amen. That's the way it ought to be. So, what are we to make of the sheep's behavior? My first thing I would say to you, if you are questioning whether you are a sheep or not, is really to look at your fruit, your behavior, behavior within the body. A lot of things said in this conference, you know, real meaningful. Because what Jesus is saying here is supposed to happen within the context of the body of Christ. You will find, I'm not saying you can't, you can, I'm not saying you cannot find a sheep as a neighbor next to you where you live. 
or you will not have one at work and wherever you find them you should take care of them but I believe our Lord has a certain mindset here and he is looking specifically at his people and as was pointed out I think by Pastor Henry within the context of a local church that is where that is where this this love this giving, this caring, this sharing um, takes place you know, so we see then in this passage that this, this extended love and kindness um, to fellowship now Jesus said his final speech to the disciples in the upper room and as he journeyed he says a new commandment I give to you the old commandment said thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy mind and with all thy strength and so forth and the second is like unto it you shall love your neighbor as yourself but now there's a shift there is a shift so all, you know, your, your, our hearts and our thoughts and our minds and, and, and so forth need to, to really focus in here and zero in here on what Jesus is saying. He says, a new commandment I've given unto you. What is that? That you love one another. Yes. One another. That you love the brethren. Just as I have loved you. See the bar? That's a sermon in itself, the bar. Just as I have loved you. And, and you, can, you can reflect on that and ask yourself, where really do, how did Jesus love me? Because that is the bar to which he is drawn us tonight to love fellow members in the church. Just as I have loved you, he says. You also are to love one another. And then he says this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you do it. If you do it. If you love, if you have love one for another. Now the truth of the matter is we can't know this is done as we have said in the conference without the help of God. But we need to, in our sanctification, understand, and I'm really so it has been stated in this fellowship, in this um, conference, that this is really saying no, that it's synergistic. That God has given us the love, but He is pulling us along, and He's saying to us, I want you to understand what I have done for you, and basically I want you to partner with me in this regard. And we have a bounding duty this tonight. To keep the sin nature under control and let the spirit have his way. Amen. And then again, that's a sermon in itself. How, how to do that? That's a sermon in itself. But I need to move on. So the identifying mark of a sheep of Christ, based on that verse alone, is love for the brethren. 
The sheep in this passage did exactly what Christ commanded. And they behaved that way because of the impact of the Spirit of God upon their lives. Because if I draw you back to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14, he says, So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And I want to further submit to you tonight that sheep are empowered to love because the love of God is in them. But listen to Jesus in his high high priestly prayer, we call it that. We call it Lord's Prayer though. In John 17, 26, this is what he said. I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known. This takes back again to the conference. He will never leave us. That the love with which you have loved me, meaning the Father, loving the Son, may be in them. Now get that. Get that tonight. That the way in which the Father loved the Son. You can begin to comprehend that. Can you begin to comprehend that? But that is the way that God's love in us or that or put it another way that is the type of love that God puts in us. The way the Father loved the Son is the, is, is the love that God puts into us. That He says, I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I mean, this thing is fascinating. Fascinating. So we read here where the love the sheep exercise came from. It came from God and enables us to love the brother, the brethren, sorry, like the father loves the son. Hmm, we just need to understand these things, you know, the spirit of God empowers to put them into action. And that's where great commerce again, right theology and a right biblical understanding is really important. Really important. And that is why even though people can get saved in an Armenian church, I encourage them to come out. I serious. I encourage them to come out. But anyhow, we can have a chat with anybody ready. Okay? Because I did the doctrines of grace true or the doctrines of grace false. And I said last year at the conference, if the doctrines of grace falls, we are all cursed. Because we are teaching error. But if you have the truth, stand on it. I'm serious. Stand on it. Stand on it. You know that Jesus, you listen, this is a difficult text, you know. You can imagine Jesus standing up. And declaring the sex. You, you, see him, you see him mincing words? You see Jesus mincing words in the sex? Is that a pleasant text? 
It's not a pleasant text. Hmm? It's not a pleasant text. Because the end result of this text is horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. So, truth of the matter is, you may have to say things and do things, and it doesn't please everybody, but does it please God? Because some people refuse to follow Christ, go back to John again, because they love the praises of men more than the praises of God. That's what the Bible says. That's what it says. We also ought to be mindful of this little small verse somewhere in Matthew's gospel, which it is, where Jesus says, In vain do men worship me. Because they teach for doctrines the commandments of men. Alright. But that is something. That's just an aside. In 1 John 3.14 we read we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love the brothers that's not a text but I put it in abides in death. Serious statement. Everyone who hears his brother is a the text says murder right? But I say both. Everyone who hears his brother is a good. And you know that no good has eternal life abiding in him. He says in verse 16, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And what? We ought to lay down our lives for the Brethren. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's a serious question. How? In other words, if we are Christ's sheep, we would be kind, hospitable. Generous to the brethren. I'm not saying not to the world too. Because we're the heaven people. But to the brethren. Specifically to the brethren. I just want to just reinforce the fact before I move on that this love this agape love this love that God gives to us flows from him into our hearts and if you are a sheep it will definitely motivate you in a particular way 
there's a particular behavior that is going to come from you if you are sheep. The Apostle John says in 4 7, 1 John 4 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Then he tells us where it comes from. He says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hears his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this command we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So we, we see an interesting scenario here playing out. Where love from God flows perpendicularly down into our hearts. And then it radiates horizontally through the church. See? So John is saying if in the horizontal you can't see it, then there can't be a vertical connection. And I'll leave it at that. But let us not forget that God's love poured into us causes us to love God also supremely. And Jesus said that if we love Him, because His love in us causes us to love Him. And it causes us to love our brothers. So Jesus said in John 14, 15, He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Alright, so here's another identification mark of a sheep. A sheep is obedient to Christ. Because Jesus says, if my love is in you, you will love me. And if you love me, it will show up in your obedience and in your behavior. And commandments here is not referring necessarily to the Ten Commandments, although it is embedded in that. It, it is all part of um, what Jesus said, um, the moral principles we talk about and so forth. But I want us to see commandments here in a broader sense. And I'm here referring to all of the Sayings of Christ, instructions of Christ in New Testament, but also all of those principles that we talk about that were laid down in the old. You will keep my commandments. You see? Um, John went on to clarify Christ's commandment to us when he said in 1 John 3.22, and this is his commandment that we believe in his, in the name of the Son, that we love one another just as he commanded us and so forth. But I want us to consider that commandments here is referring to all of the Lord's instructions to us. Amen. You have been you have heard that you should love 
your friends or your neighbors and you should hear your enemies. But I say to you, I say to you, do good to those who despitefully use you and persecute you. And further on in the, in the, in the New Testament, he tells us that we ought to give if our enemies hunger, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them drink, and so forth and so forth. And many other things the Lord say. How to give and how to relate to people. He spoke to us about forgiving and all that. All of that can be embraced by what Jesus said here in John 4.15. If we are sheep, we will always try to please the Lord and conduct our lives based on His Word. All of it, the whole counsel of God. So I really, I really, you know, I'm, I, I'm really rejoicing in this conference, you know. Uh, if you agree with me, we have some great preaching thus far. Fantastic preaching. Solid preaching. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. But let us go a little further. And I'm soon coming to an end, so you don't have to worry. Of great significance to us tonight. Is the declaration of the Lord that loving the brethren is equivalent to loving Him? Amen. Now this is real powerful. We ask the question sometimes: How can I express my love to Jesus? But Jesus says, "And as much as you have done it to the least of these who belong to Me, you have done it to who? Me." So I think that's a real significant statement. Ministering to the brethren. Sacrificing for the brethren. Praying for the brethren. Giving to the brethren is like doing it for Christ. Hmm. There are many folks who treat the Christian community as optional. Unimportant. Secondary. Jesus does not do it so. Our Lord inserts himself directly into the midst of the lives of the brethren. He says where the tools and trees are gathered together in my name. I am in the midst. Listen, Christ is here tonight here. Unless we are all goats. If there's sheep in here, Christ is here. Where the tools and trees are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst. Because he lives in us. Some folks feel comfortable occupying the outskirts or the periphery of the church community. Sorry to come to church, but I, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to make sacrifices. Oh, this is going to take too much time from me. And too many demands are going to be made on me. And all the rest of it. I say to you tonight, that is a dangerous place to loiter. Very dangerous place to loiter. If we set your attention now to the goats, we notice that the goats were completely devoid of love for the sheep. They were also completely devoid of any ministry to sheep. What were the goats doing? 
Uh, basically wasting time, building on sand. We must not doubt for a moment that the goats were not busy. Goats may actually be more be busier than the sheep. But their lives and their energy was being or were being expended on the wrong things in the wrong ways. And I say to pastors tonight, I've been a pastor over 40 years. I don't care how great your church is. Jesus said it will always consist of tears and weeping. Sometimes as pastors, we don't understand why people are not responding, why it is so difficult to get people to do things. But have you ever given thought to the fact that you may be trained to extract love and cooperation and obedience from a good? Do you realize that if you put a rope around a goat's neck, you, you ever try moving a goat? They're going to dig in their front feet. You can't get them move. So, I don't want to get any calls from any pastor asking me for any medication for arthritis in your knees or back brace for your back because you're trying to pull a goat. You have to go into your congregation and look for the love of Jesus in people. And those are the people who are going to follow the Lord's voice and work with you. You can't do anything about the goats. You just got to go around the goats and deal with the sheep. <laughs> I'm serious. I've seen it. I've seen it, boy. I've seen it. But anyhow, the Lord, the Lord help us. I said to you tonight, the fate of the goats really is heart-wrenching. Because a lot of lanes the behavior of them, and it's ridiculous. Um, some of them would obviously have been alive on the earth for 60, 70 years, who knows. But they never did anything for the brethren. A lot of them don't have time. Um, this conference is an opener to Some people you invite, you plan, they say they're coming. And then sometimes when you find out the reason why they're not coming, all you can do is just smile, you know. And these are people who are supposed to be sheep. That's what they say, that they belong to the Lord and supposed to be sheep. But then you hear some excuses. Um, this meeting and that meeting and this thing and that thing I have to do. And you're wondering really what is priority. I think the priority in people's lives really is a reflection as to who they are. Because Christ in the life of a sheep should come first. That's my feeling about that. Hmm. Well, the Bible says that those sheep um, were rejected. And the words here are very heart-wrenching. Our Lord says to them, Depart from me, ye curse, into eternal fire. 
And the two words there, eternal fire, everlasting life, they basically employ the same sort of meaning as far as duration is concerned. But I close with this. Look at the text again. Look at the text again. Look at verse 37. It says, The righteous answered him, saying, Lord, when did we see you and feed you, or thirsty or give you drink? And in verse 44, he said, Similarly, and I can explain to you what I mean. They also answered and said, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? You recognize there that the word Lord in the text is the same Greek word, curious. Do you know what curious means? It means God. It means Lord. And it means Master. So we have in this text both the sheep and the goat. They are both at the judgment confessing to the Lordship of Christ. Both of them. But for the sheep it is too late. Pardon me? Sorry for the goats. Thank you. Thank you. I hope I didn't get anybody. I'm scared. <laughs> no, the goats. The goats. Hmm. So, look at it here now. Consider that confessing Christ as, as Lord at the judgment is of no help to you if you live in disobedience and rebellion to Him now. There's no help to you. The day and hour of salvation would have passed. It will be too late. The time to confess Christ as your Lord and Savior and believe in Him unto salvation would have passed. And that time is really now. The Bible says, now is the accepted time. Today, behold, today is the day of salvation. And to those of you in this audience this evening who may have doubts and fears and uncertainties as to whether you are sheep or goat, I would encourage you this evening to put your trust in Christ. To make your calling and election sure. You see? I share one last scripture with you because this is tied in so much with the judgment and we have been warned. And so I pray tonight as God's Spirit would use this conference and use this service and even use these words that someone in here that God is speaking to will come to salvation. It says in Matthew seven twenty one, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father is in, who is in heaven what is the will of God according to John believe in the one that he sent believe in him trust him on that day many will say to me did we not prophesy in your name Lord cast out demons in your name 
do many mighty works in your name, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Another word that says iniquity. In other words, you, you were rebellious. You didn't love the brethren, you didn't love church, you didn't love God, you didn't love worship. There was nothing in you at all that craved anything godly or Christ-like. But still somehow they were expecting to be alright. You know that the devil can cause people to fool themselves. Hmm. So that brings me to my question, the question of the message. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? And I encourage you this evening to reflect on your life, um, reflect on your behavior, reflect on your obedience to Christ, reflect on your faith in Him. Have you repented and asked Him to forgive you for your sins? Do you pray to Him? Do you acknowledge Him as your Lord? Do you put your, have you put your trust in Him and do you walk confidently in Him this evening? Or deep in your heart you know that no such relationship exists. Yes, pastor, go to church, but I'm really not into this Christian thing. I really don't pray that's all day. I believe in Having a bedside bed, prayer or just asking a little grace on my meal. But when it comes to serious prayer, I don't really pray that sort of And as a matter of fact, pastor, I have doubts about Christ. I not so certainly died on the cross. Or I not so certainly I really went into the grave and rose from the dead, you know. And this thing about his second coming, I got doubts about that. Am I speaking to you? Is that where you are? Or are you in a place where this evening Christ is precious to you? You are grateful that you have made sacrifices for Him in your life along the way. And you are looking for His appearing and for His kingdom. I think everyone in here this evening will know where, where they stand. And so, I encourage you this evening to turn to the Lord if you haven't as yet. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to keep you. Amen? Amen. I want to close with prayer. And I don't know who in here would need to make a change this evening. But if there's anyone who would like to come to the Lord, I would like to pray with you, and I would like to pray for you, and I will pray with you from here, and pray for you from here. But I would like, if there's anyone in here who would like to come to Christ this evening, and trust Him, you know, trust Him, we've said a lot about Him, and He's marvelous. And I'm sure you will discover from for yourself what a great king and shepherd and savior he is. I would like to encourage you to stand at this time, wherever you are, as I close in prayer. Anybody in here? Anyone?
need the Lord as your Savior. You know if you should die, then fasting truth, I really not ready to meet God. But I would like to be ready to meet God. Is there anyone who would like to stand for prayer? With me. As we pray to the Lord. Okay, boy, he's with me as I close in prayer. Father, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you made the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. Uh, I pray this evening that as your people your word will continue to find fulfillment in our lives. Continue to mold us and shape us and make us into what you would have us to be. May we continue to proclaim your gospel. May we continue to share your love. Not only with the brethren now, but as we have heard, even further afield, Telling men and women, telling the loss of your gracious plan of salvation and allowing you to work through your word to bring them to salvation. Continue to bless this conference this evening. Continue to give us strength. Watch over us, Lord. Continue to speak to our hearts and to bend us and mold us, Lord. As we wait on you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.